We're going to open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Janice missed my text by one verse. We're going to start in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at putting on a new man for the new year. Putting on a new man for the new year. And we'll start in verse 17 of Exodus chapter 4. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, In the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That... You may put off concerning the former, former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and being renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Fathers, we come before you this last service, this last day, of 2023 happens to be your day and we have the privilege of gathering ourselves together here this evening father i just ask that you would be with your people the spirit of god would use the word of god to help them to be more like your son to help us to set aside selfishness and sin that we may selflessly serve our savior And look forward to seeing him someday in heaven. But would you be with us now? Comfort our hearts and minds. Bring conviction where necessary. And Lord, would we just draw close to you. And that we have the privilege to be as close to you as we desire to be. Help us this evening for the honor and for glory. To exalt and meditate on the truths of your word and your son Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Putting on a new man for the new year, starting in verse 17 through 19, we're going to see walk not as other Gentiles. Walk not as other Gentiles. As this I say, therefore, testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. When I was reading this passage and thinking about preaching for this evening, this last service, this last day of 2023, my mind just kind of went back If I were to mention three, well, two letters and one number, something like Y2K, would that mean anything to some of you? Talk about the vanity of their mind. When I thought about, okay, Gentiles, we don't think of Gentiles today, but, you know, we could say don't walk as other Americans. But going back to Y2K, so if you're around my age or wiser, you would definitely know what I'm talking about. If you don't and you're a teenager, what is he talking about? I'll explain later. But basically, there was this huge freaking out group of people all over that the world's going to crash and die and all the computers, they can't handle the 2000 and you know, life is going to cease to exist. And people were getting really serious about this. I knew people that were building like underground bunkers. They had enough green beans for years to come. There was, and it got as serious as people taking their lives. This was a big, serious deal. Why do I mention that? To me, that's a little bit more simpler application 
as Paul's telling the Ephesians, hey, don't walk like others around you. He's saying like other Gentiles. But we could say, hey, don't be walking around like other Americans. It's not like the world's going to come to an end tomorrow. The Lord is going to come back. That, that would be great. But things are not over. Just another year. It's another day. And maybe I'm getting older at a young age, but to me, <laughs> it's just another day. <laughs> really. Sorry, guys. But it really is. I'm like, it's another day, and I'm starting to go into bed before midnight. And uh, it's, you know, I don't know. But to me, it's just another day. But the whole point I'm, I'm bringing this is, we're not supposed to walk into things. Everything is not revolved around stuff and, and things. It's, well, we're going to look at what it is here more specifically. But he's telling us, don't walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. He already encouraged us in verse 1 of chapter 4 to walk worthy the vocation with you are called. So whatever God has called you, walk worthy. But now he's reminding us by verse 17, but don't walk as others. Walk not as others. What is the vanity of their mind here? Their vanity has the idea of being empty. Their thoughts are void of truth or appropriateness. Things that are right. I often illustrate with teens like a balloon. And I take a balloon and I will pop it. And there's nothing inside. It's worthless. A popped balloon is no good. Especially if there's no helium in it. But if you have a balloon and you blow it up, I mean, it's good while there's something in it. But when you pop it, what's inside it is now gone. It's worthless. It's no good. You can kind of like shoot it, sort of. But other than that, it's worthless. It's good for the trash. This word vanity has the of empty, void. There's nothing substantial. There's nothing with truth. And so what he's encouraging these believers at Ephesus is don't walk around like others. We can say other Americans. I think we're still mostly a Christian nation, maybe. But we're not supposed to have this empty worthlessness about us in the way that we think. So we ought to be encouraged here. Just like he says, don't walk as others. And why does he say that? Because we are so used to going with the flow. If there's one door open in or out of the church, most people will funnel right into the same door. I saw that at college. You've got hundreds of people. Sometimes, I mean, one door is open and everyone, like a bunch of cattle, will just, no one will stop and open another door. or go to, They just get in line and go through the same door. We just go with the flow many times. We just do what everyone else is doing. We don't stop and consider and think, is this more godly? Is this righteous? Is this wrong? We just go. Sometimes we just do it. We just react. Paul is reminding this church, let's not do that. Don't walk in emptiness. We ought to have purpose. We have Christ-likeness. And if we're going to look at putting on a new man for new year, this will help us understand this. So look at the verse 17 one more time. It says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Then he explains a little bit more of how these Gentiles walk. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Their understanding is darkened. Their mind, your thoughts, your intelligence. There's no light to it, no light of the gospel, no light of Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. In Mark, this same word is used with mind, talking about the understanding of their mind or their understanding darkened. In, in Mark 12, 30, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. That mind is the same word that we see here of their understanding being darkened. Their mind, their intelligence, their thinking, 
What, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love the Lord with that mind. Love him first. That's not vanity. That's not worthless. That's what helps us see truth from error. That's what helps us to be more Christ-like, to love the Lord our God. Same word. Peter uh, 2 says, I'm sorry, 2 Peter 3, 1 and 2 I'll read the verses. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which stir you up in your pure minds. Same word there. Your pure minds by the way of remembrance. He wants to stir up believers to remember those things which we ought to. Remember the goodness of God through this last year. As I briefly just shared God directing in my family's life, it is wonderful to know that you have a God that will lead and guide and we are to stir up Peter is encouraging other believers to recall in your minds to think through the goodness and the greatness of God. He says in verse 2, that you be mindful of the words that are spoken to you by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us and the apostles of our Lord and Savior. In our mind, we're to stir up and we're to remember the words of God. The words of past messages. Things that we have spent time in our own in devotions. These are the things that need to be in our minds, not the vain, the empty, the worthless, the things that don't have value, worldly speaking. We need to change our thinking. And then he says in verse 18, I like pointing this out, being alienated. I like to mess with teenagers. You know the Bible talks about aliens? What? Yes. The aliens here, it really just means a stranger, a foreigner. That's what it means. And when you look at one or how they might depict one may look like, yeah, they are strange. <laughs> but, but in Ephesians 2, 12, earlier he told them, he uses the same word. He says, that in the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, you were estranged, you were outside, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Writing to Gentiles, they wouldn't have known the promises of God. They would have been outside of that. They would have been strangers. It would have been foreign. As he uses the word, it would have been alien to them. They were aliens from it. He uses this same word Paul uses it a couple times in Colossians 1.21. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind. Our minds shouldn't be estranged from the word of God. It ought to be comfortable. It ought to be familiar. Something Becky and I, I'm just so thankful that we've been able to do this long ago is we just start establishing time together in the word as a family. Not that we're most consistent and it doesn't happen every night. Sunday nights don't happen. Wednesday nights don't happen. Church fellowships and things, it doesn't happen. But we try and be consistent. And I think what that does in our families, it gets our minds focused on the Lord it helps us to do it together as a family so it's not just a church thing. It's not just a Sunday-Wednesday thing. Mommy and Daddy really believe this, and we've had great discussions. We've had some great giggles. We've had some great laughs. We've had some serious questions. Just because we sit around and we open up God's Word, devotional of some sort, we read and we think about these, I think that's a very profitable thing. We shouldn't be alienated. We shouldn't be estranged from God's word and being in his word. How else does he describe these Gentiles that we're not supposed to walk like? We're not supposed to have our understanding darkened. We're not supposed to be alienated from the life of God. And in verse 18, he continues. He says, in the blindness of the heart, because 
of the blindness of their heart. This same word, let's see if you can catch it. The same word is used in Mark 3, 5. Talk about the blindness. It has the idea of being hardness or a dullness of mind. In Mark 3, 5, it says, And when they had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto man, stretch forth thine hand. Because he's talking about the hardness of the hearts of others. That word blindness is also used to be hardened. Sometimes you don't want to see. We made a comparison of light and darkness in Sunday school today. Men like darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Evil doesn't like light. It exposes. It shows the truth. And sometimes we enjoy our sin. We really do. We enjoy it. We like it. We seek after it. And your heart becomes blinded and hardened to the things of God. This is what Paul is encouraging believers at Ephesus. Don't be like that. Don't be like other Gentiles. It's easy to sin. It's easy to do those things. Other people do it all the time. He's telling them, don't be like those other Gentiles. Don't do it. We will have struggles. We'll have challenges. We're going into a new year. I like new things. A new year is a great time to get things new. I wasn't the biggest fan of school. But one thing I did kind of like about school was all the new stuff at the beginning of the year. You know, you get everything's new. Your backpack, your binder, some clothes, your shoes, whatever. It's all new. And that, that was kind of cool. I liked that. That was fun getting to go down. It wore off pretty quick. But it was cool. New things. I mean, we just had Christmas. You have birthdays. Oh, man, I got more new stuff. That's horrible. No, we like new stuff. Sometimes too much. But we're going into a new year. It's a good opportunity to get things started off right. You know what? I'm going to have a great devotional plan. If you don't have a devotional plan, you're probably not having your devotions. A great start to the new year would be, what is my devotional plan? How, when, what am I going to read? Where am I going to read it? How much am I going to read it? And if you're not faithfully reading much of God's word, don't say, oh, I'm going to read five chapters a day. That'll last till maybe the first week or two. Then you get tired and your goal is not realistic. We'll get to that later. But here you can get hardened. We can be alienated. Our understanding can be darkened. Let's continue on. Verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Basically, in the past, they did some sensual, ungodly things. And it almost becomes natural or you could become unashamed. This is the old man. This is what other Gentiles are doing in the past. And it says they're giving themselves over. And it's not like they purposefully do it. I don't think any young man or young lady takes the first puff of a cigarette or their first drink of alcohol and says, I'm going to be an alcoholic when I grow up. I don't think that happens. I honestly don't think when they're taking their first drink, they're planning on being an alcoholic the rest of their life. I don't think their first puff of a cigarette, but they're giving themselves over that first drink or that first puff or whatever it is, that's where it can start. They're giving themselves over. You're allowing something to influence your life. What Paul is encouraging these believers in Ephesus, don't be like the other Gentiles. We can say, don't be like other Americans. Just because other Americans do it doesn't make it right for you. This is the whole bandwagon approach. Everyone else is doing it. Must be okay. Is that according to God's word or is that vanity? 
is that alienated ourselves from the life of God? Is that causing a blindness or hardness to our heart? What are we giving ourselves over to? So we've seen we're supposed to walk not as other Gentiles do in verses 17 through 19. Let's look at the truth taught by Jesus, starting in verse 20. But have you not so learned Christ? But if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So those things don't do, but here's the truth that you know from Christ. And as we think about it, some people during this time still would have seen, have heard, have touched Christ himself. Not many, but it would really happen. When he says here, ye have not so heard, haven't you learned? You've heard him. Some of you have heard him personally. You've been taught by him the truth directly from Christ himself. You know it to be true. And he's reminding, as Paul was trying to stir up the remembrance of the minds of those in 2 Peter, so now Paul in Ephesus, he's saying, you know, you've heard, you've seen. Jesus taught these truths. So he's going to give us the opposite here. Don't walk as they are, but let's live according to the truth taught by Jesus. Let's continue on. He says, but you so want to learn Christ, verse 21, if so be that you have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, Verse 22, that ye put off the former conversation, the old man. This doesn't mean we're not going to get old someday. What this means is we need to put off, put away, get rid of your former lifestyle, your way of living. I didn't get saved till I was 16. And I had some change in life. I changed friends and different things, started going to church, all kinds of different little things. There's a change that can take place. When we were getting our house ready to move in, one of the blessings I had was to, um, it was kind of dark in the living room, and uh, Tim Brock actually helped me install some recessed lighting because we would come up out of the basement into the living room. It was like walking up out into a dungeon compared to the basement was lit up, and you go up into the living room, and it's like you walked up into a cave. I was like, that's weird. I, just, I don't like that. And Becky didn't like it. Dark. Doesn't like it. So we're doing this. But here's what happens. So we, we wanted lights. And you want the blessing of enjoying something like lights in a living room. You know, these older homes, I mean, you hit a switch and you have to find the outlet and you have to get a lamp connected to that thing. And you... But anyways, so I had the privilege and blessing of going up into the attic to put in these recessed lights. Tim was working down below. I had the blessing of being a little guy on top. And so, you know, we're working together. But here's one thing. When I got out of that attic, you know one thing uh, I learned, and I already know about insulation? When you think of insulation, what do you think of? Oh, well, some of, some of you think, okay, staying warm in the winter and staying cool in the summer. You know what I think of when I think of insulation? Itchy. Oh, I got itchy. That's what, the first thing I think of. It's all my dealings with insulation. It's not like, oh, it'll keep me warm and keep me cool. No, it's, it makes me itch. I cannot stand insulation. I'm up in there, and some of it was going up into the corner of the house, you know, and I mean, I'm not a very big guy, but up in the corner, it's getting really narrow, and you got no, I had to wear a mask. I'm not a big fan of masks, but I wore one voluntarily to wear a mask because just breathing that insulation, every time it was making me cough, so I had to put on a mask. So I'm up there, and it was making me itch, but I, you know, you want the result. You know what I couldn't wait to do? I could not wait to be done and to take those clothes off. 
And you don't take those off just to put on later. Oh, I can't wait to put those clothes back on. Maybe after they're cleaned and washed. But when after I'm up in insulation, I mean, we're talking like I was crawling up in there. Okay, this is like everywhere, insulation, everywhere. Okay, all over my clothes, no way around it. When Paul is telling them to put off the old man, you are taking it, casting it, getting rid of it with the idea of I'm not going to put those back on. Maybe if it's cleaned, maybe it's had a change, but there's no way I'm putting it on the way that it is. What Paul is telling us here is we need to cast off, put away with the intention of never putting that back on again. That is what he's saying here. So here, what he says, verse 22, that she put off concerning the former conversation. If it was not a godly lifestyle, if it was any in the list before, Cast it off. Get rid of it. Don't wear it again. If you want to be itchy, wear it. If you want to have the, itch, the it's an agitation and the frustration of it, go ahead. But what Paul is saying is get rid of it. The former lifestyle, do not return. Cast it away. Put it off from you. And he tells us, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And most lusts are deceitful. But a lust is a passion. It's a desire that we have. And so Paul is telling them, get rid of it. It's corrupt according to deceitful lusts. You can have some positive lusts, believe it or not. Some positive, in Philippians 1.23. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire. That's the same word for lust there. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. You could have a desire or a lust to be with our Savior. That's a good thing. But lust, most of the time, unfortunately, is not good, as here in Ephesians 4. But we could have a passion, a desire for righteousness, to put off and to be able to put on. We can have a good godly desire. We can. Just like Paul did there in Philippians 1. So here, as we're looking at the truth taught by Jesus, he tells us to put off the, the old, the former, the deceitful lusts. And in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Basically, if we could just summarize our thinking with being renewed in the spirit of our mind, I get the idea that when we talk about being renewed in the spirit of our mind, you ever been around a, like a new believer? Sometimes they can be a little bit more sensitive to truth and error and, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. It's those Christians that have been around a while, like, ah, it's all right. You know, you're going to sin again anyways. Don't worry about it. You know, just make your lives look good. And then a new believer, they're young, but like, like, especially like little children, they're like, but I'm supposed to obey. I'm supposed to do that. that. That's the right thing to do. I think the idea of being renewed in the spirit of your mind is sensitive. It's the opposite of being darkened or hardened. We're being sensitive to the truths of God. So in our mind, it's not supposed to be empty and worthless. We're supposed to be sensitive to sin. Not to sin, but sensitive and aware of what it is. So he says here, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and that she put on the new man. Oftentimes, our struggle with sin is we understand, we recognize it's wrong, and we try and get rid of it. I like to use an example of this. There was a pastor that I know, um, actually northern Maryland, but before he was saved, he was like one of those chain smokers. And he would smoke all the time. You know where he kept his pack of cigarettes? Right here in his pocket. 
Well, when he got saved, the Lord convicted him, and he's trying to put off the old man. And you know what he explained to me? He said, you know one thing that helped me is? He said, instead of the pack of cigarettes right there, because it was just habit, habitual, always grabbing right there. You know what's about the same size as a pack of cigarettes? A Gideon's New Testament. So he took that little New Testament because it felt like there was a pack of cigarettes there. It was the same size. And he actually, he highlighted some verses and things. So when he reached in to pull out that pack of cigarettes, you know what he got? Oh, man. It's the Bible. And he's remembering the promise he made on his own. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm not doing that anymore. For the cause of Christ, I'm not going to smoke anymore. He's replacing. It's a replacement principle. Oftentimes we do this with music. I know teens will struggle with music sometimes. and They're, they're trying to listen to, you know, better music. They, they had rough music in their life. And they're, okay, I'm just not going to listen to music anymore. I'm just cutting all music out of my life. Well, if you've listened to music for a lot of years and that's been a part of your life, to cut all music is very difficult. You know what you need to do? Replace it with godly music. Don't stop listening to music. That's unrealistic. When we set goals and we're casting off and we're going to put on a new man, we need smart goals, specific, measurable, obtainable. We need those type of goals when we put on new man. There's, oh, I'm not going to do that and I'm going to do this. Because that's why everyone wants to go on a diet after you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and then that works until about you know, Valentine's. Okay, we're like, I'll quit it, forget it. You know, whatever. I mean, we, we, we gotta make smart, realistic, obtainable goals that can be measurable. And, and we can't just put off and put on, okay, I'm just gonna do it. What's your plan? Well, I'll figure it out along the way. Okay. See how far that gets you. <laughs> when we're gonna put on the new man, and this is what he does. Look, look at these replacement things. When we look at these next several verses, we're gonna hit these a little bit quicker but he's going to explain to them about replacing things. It's not just put off and put on. Okay, we got it. Wrong, right. Don't do wrong, do the right. I got it. But look at this list he's going to start giving us. In verse 25. So he told us about putting on, verse 24, 25. Put away lying, speak every man truth. Okay, so instead of lying, speak the truth. You know what's interesting? He says, speak truth to your neighbor. You know who your neighbor is? Well, the guy across the street. It's most likely your friend's and your family. Those who need demonstrated mercy and those whom you can help that are in your immediate presence. We can go to Luke 10 and spend some time there about explaining your neighbor. But who can you help? So instead of lying, and if you lie to someone, you know who it's most likely to? Your friends and your family because that's who you talk to. That's who you're spending time with. That's who you're lying to. What he's telling them is don't be a liar. Instead, speak the truth. Let's continue on. Speak every man truth to his neighbor. We are members one of another. Referring back to earlier in the chapter. He says, be angry and sin not. It's not the anger that's a sin. It's what we do with our anger. You know what anger really is? Anger is a motivator. I share with my kids, when I was younger, I had a fuse like this short. I had two younger brothers that just loved to get under my skin. They would agitate. My, my, I'm not, I, I got two brothers. You can take your pick. You don't know either one of them anyways. It's okay. But they would do things just to get after me. And guess who always got in trouble? The older brother, because I'm supposed to know better. But boy, would they do things to get under my skin. Mm. But it's, it's learning to do truth, and it's most likely those that you love, friends and family. Speak truth. That's why, boys and girls, teenagers, start speaking truth to your siblings. Start speaking truth to your parents. Do it. That's what he's saying. Replace it. Lying. Anger. Anger is a motivator, but would our anger be used to motivate us to Christ-likeness? Be angry at sin and not the sinner. 
You must continue and let the sun go down in your wrath. Deal with it quickly. So don't be angry. You could be angry at sin. Okay. Then he says, giving not place to the devil. Look at verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. What a concept. Why is someone stealing? Probably because they want something. Do they have jobs? I don't know. Maybe they're stealing at their job. But the whole idea that Paul's getting across, hey, if you steal, give that guy a job, and then make him work and provide for others. If our country could grasp this concept, it would change things. Give every thief a job and make him buy things for others. He can provide for himself and then provide for others. Instead of stealing and thieves, I, well, I had an opportunity to be on a grand jury. The things that thieves and addicts and drug dealers, the things they'll go through are brilliant. The time and the effort they spend to do these things and the things they do to cars to get these secret compartments open was mind-blowing. I'm like, that was genius. But they're doing it for wrong things in the vanity of their mind. Give that guy a real job where he can invent stuff. The money might not come as quick, but it'd be legal. And then he could provide for others. What an idea. This is brilliant. Let's just obey the Bible. Just listen to it. So instead of stealing, get a job, provide for others. Brilliant. Replacing. So we're looking at putting on a new man. How do we do that? We replace things with lying. We replace anger. Stealing. He continues on. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is used to edifying. Instead of beating each other up with words, edify. Literally to build up like Legos. You build up one another. So instead of tearing down, especially within the church, build up. Encourage. And I love how he ends. Well, he ends by saying, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, where we are sealed on the day of redemption. So don't grieve God. Let all bitterness and wrath, he's kind of concluding with a list of things again. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking put away from you. That's actually a slightly different word from putting away that we've seen a couple times already in this chapter. But then he gets to verse 32. Verse 32, my kids have heard a lot because siblings need this. Be kind one to another. Tenderhearted, here it is, forgiving one another. Why? They don't deserve it. I hit him and he deserved it. And I told them what I really thought. Yeah, I know, I heard. <laughs> okay. We're supposed to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even, here's why, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know what makes almost this whole thing so hard? Forgiveness. The power of forgiveness is incredible. Some of us are still holding on to anger and bitterness. And we don't want to be truthful to that person because if you know what they did to me, but do you know what Christ has forgiven you of? You do it because it's right. Because God has forgiven you. What has God not forgiven you of? And then we have a hard time forgiving another sinner? That's how he ends this passage. When we go in to a new year, could we be encouraged to put off, to cast aside, never put on again, and put on a new man, to exchange the old, nasty, the itchy, for something clean and righteous, to be kind, to be edifying, to be truth-telling people? May that start in our homes, parents and children, with our friends, here at church, and we can put on a new man 
in a new year when things are fresh and you can start all over and have a fresh slate. Praise God for that. Can we do it? With God's help, we can. Father, I thank you so much for this evening, the privilege and opportunity we have to look at this passage of Scripture, to see that we need to acknowledge our own sin before holy God, to see the old man, the former conversation of what our life used to say. Father, we've been encouraged by your word, and your people can put on a new man. It's not always easy, but it's right. Can we do it because you have forgiven us? So therefore, we can be kind. We can be tenderhearted. We can put on a new man, forsaking, setting aside, and casting away that which is worldly. And would it be done to point people to your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.